Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. All right, you can have a seat. Welcome to Football Sunday. My name is Pastor Gabe, and alongside my lovely bride, Lauren, we serve as the lead pastors here at the Broussard campus. Are y'all ready for Football Sunday? Yeah. Good. We're in for some special, you're in for some special, special treats. Before we dive into everything today, I want to give you a few quick announcements. We've been announcing this for the last few weeks, but men, Calling all men, we've launched two Bible studies that I'm inviting all men to. If you live in Brobridge, we have a Bible study for men <laughs> on Tuesday mornings at 6 a.m. <laughs> Tuesday mornings at 6 a.m. at Tante Marie in, in Brobridge. If you're a Broussard, Youngsville, Lafayette man, we have a men's Bible study on Wednesday mornings at 7 a.m. at Poboy Riverside and so men invite a man to come. We also have a Bible study in St. Martinville that meets once a month at the Hope Center. What, what week is the fourth Saturday of the month? And so men feel free to dive into those. Also, we are pausing briefly our relationship 101 series just for today because it's such a special day. But last week we talked to all of our singles and talked about important friendships. We're pausing that this week, but next week we're coming back and we're talking to husbands and wives. I'm excited about that. So if your marriage is here and it's good, but you want it to be even better, bring your spouse. Wives, grab your husband by the ear, drag him, get him in here. Or if your marriage is struggling and you feel like there's no hope, bring him. Bring him. And let's hear what God has to say about your marriage. Is that good, everybody? So also, I want to take a moment. We, we're a blessed church. We've been blessed with many different types of relationships. And I want to honor some special people in the room with us today. Um, first, I want to honor our very own UL football players. We have twins we prayed for on this stage last year, Caleb and Colin Jacobs. Their birthday was yesterday. Will you guys stand up? Come on, let's give it up for the twins. Love them. Love you guys dearly. So proud of y'all. So very proud of y'all. Now, also, I also want to honor, um, we have a lot of athletes and coaches in our church as well. As a matter of fact, we invited some of the area coaches um, from some of our different schools, and so we would love to honor you. If you have played college football, if you have played in the NFL, which we have a number of former NFL players at the, at the church as well, or if you're a local coach in our area, I want you to stand to your feet, and we want to recognize and honor you. Come on, stand to your feet if you're a coach, former NFL, former college. So grateful for you guys. You can have a seat. We know that you guys, many times, while we're in the stands cheering or booing, you're... You're the ones who sacrificed, who've worked hard, who didn't eat that birthday cake, who didn't go to that, that place where they had hamburgers and hot dogs because you were being disciplined. Thank you so much for all of your sacrifice and helping so many of us as we've you've given us joy in hard times. So one more time, let's thank you. For now. Let's thank those guys. 
Now, this morning, you're in for a special treat. And before I bring him to the stage, I want to tell you a little bit about our guest today. We have a special guest who was, I I said this incorrectly in the last service. I said he was a two-star, I mean, excuse me, two-sport athlete. He just subtly dropped in there that he was actually a three-sport athlete in high school, basketball, track and field, and of course, football. He was the number two highest quarterback prospect in the state of Louisiana. He was a three-star quarterback. He was District 7-3A Offensive MVP. He was the Advocate All-Metro Offensive MVP and first-team All-State Honors. He's also a local man. He's from Baton Rouge. He's a local man. Come on. And I said this to the first service as well. Even if he puts tomatoes in his gumbo, we're not going to hold that against him. Because we know how Baton Rouge people can be sometimes. But he had the option of going to San Diego State, Appalachia State, South Alabama, Memphis, the Army, Air Force, or Miami, Ohio University. But instead, he chose to stay a local Cajun boy. He chose to stay. And so I want to, so by the way, one more thing. This year, how many of you remember the freeze just this past year that we had in January? Y'all remember the freeze when it was freezing cold out? Okay, while you were snuggling up with your space heater at your house, he was on the football field almost winning the, the, the Independence Bowl. He was this close to having an incredible game. So I want us to stand to the feet and honor our UL quarterback, Mr. Zion Chris. Come on, everybody. Zion, one more time. And they gave us, they brought short these lower this yeah. time. Yeah. Last time, last time I had the short seat, he had the high one. I felt insecure, so I had to raise mine up a little bit. So we're going to, in this time, I'm just going to interview Zion. We're going to have a conversation. And uh, he, we had an incredible first service. So Zion, let me, let's just get right to it. Tell us your story. All righty. How y'all doing today? <laughs> That's a good deal. <laughs> All right, so um, my mom and my dad, they had me in high school, and they was going to college, but um, they, they wanted to take care of me. But my grandmother insisted that she was going to take care of me and let them finish school. So I really grew up with my grandmother um, my whole life, and she used to, like, teach me in all her ways and teach me about church and teach me about the Bible and things like that. So, yeah, I grew up doing church, but I wasn't doing kingdoms, and I learned God through her, but I ain't learned God for myself. And growing up, you know, like sports and all that, actually my, uh, my people, they were uh, kind of hard on me, but it was a good thing to have them kind of people around you to, you know, put you on the path of righteousness and not unrighteousness. And doing sports, my dad was hard on me also. Well, um, school and football, you know, it taught me a lot of things, you know, like time management, but you know, God was kind of preparing me for what was about to happen in the future. So fast forward into um, to high school, I, I I forgot to say the first, um, but uh, I dealt with a lot of depression. Really, my whole life I dealt with a lot of depression and a lot of, a lot of things like that. And 
I was going through a lot of storms. But um, as I was going through a lot of storms, God was, you know, building on my faith. And so I went from saying God, why? To saying God, yes, going through the storm. And, you know, like when you're going, when you're going through things, and it, it, it's like in your spirit, man, it's going to build you up on the inside. It, it strengthens you like, like muscle. So I'm going to give you an example. Um, you know, you got people that work out on a football team. You're going to have some people that say, man, why I got to do this workout? You're going to have some people excited to do this workout, ready to build that muscle. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm here today building this muscle. And, you know, God was teaching me a lot during high school, um, learning, like, really kind of beginning of my faith. And, you know, like how Moses, he was at a high, at a high, at a high seat, and then he went into the wilderness and then he came back humble and everything. So that's how God was teaching me. He was molding me. He was shaping me. And all through high school, I was learning a little bit of how God was going to use me. I didn't know how, but I, I was learning how God was going to use me. And I would do, like, little Bible studies with my friends and stuff like that. We would do it, like, every week, you know, talking about Jesus. And now God has put wisdom in my, in my, in my, in my, my body. Like, I started learning from him. You know, like little by little, but it's, it came fast now. But and as I got to college, I started like really, really. I ain't gonna say not a bad isolation, but an isolation to get closer to him and draw closer to him. And so, in order to get closer to God, you got to get in His presence. And so I was in God's presence day. I'm talking about every day reading His Word, and He started dropping, dropping things in 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 me, in my mind, and a whole lot of wisdom. You know, getting filled with the Holy Ghost and, you know, started preaching to a lot of people. He started putting on my heart to start preaching and things like that. Started preaching to people on the football team as well, too. Start preaching online. Start, start, start you know, talking about Jesus a lot. That's what God wanted me to do. And he, and he in high school, he told me, which I didn't, I didn't know what this meant. He said he was going to be a leader of men and things like that. I didn't know what that meant. But... Now I'm starting to realize that he's using me through football. So I know that and when I was young, I really didn't like football. But now he wanted to use me doing football to expand his word. And so I'm just going to walk by faith and not by sight. Good. Yeah, good. So as y'all can tell, he's, he's a believer. He's a solid man. As a matter of fact, one of the things that I have loved so much about getting to know him and even, even before I met him, I knew he was a Christian. I heard he was a Christian, but Ken Myers, who some of you know Ken Myers, Hall of Fame baseball player from UL, and Ken and I were talking about Zion, and he said, you've got to go on his social media. And I'm like, man, I saw his Instagram, and I saw him quoting scripture. He was like, his Twitter. So I go on to Twitter, and I see you there just preaching message after message after message in your car, in your room. The man, and like not only preaching the message, he like turns his phone to his Bible so you can see. This is what Hebrews says. I'm not making this up, right? And so, and I love how you're using the platform God's given you for his glory, right? I love that. Come on. Now, I, you just alluded to that, but if you will, tell us a little bit more of your faith journey, like how did you become a believer? How did you become a Christian? And how important is that relationship with Jesus to you? Um, like I say, I was introduced to Jesus through my, through my family, through my uh, grandmother and my, 
aunties and a lot of people in my family, I was introduced to them. And like I said, I wasn't really doing, I wasn't doing kingdom. Like I wasn't, you know, following God's kingdom. And I grew up wanting to be like everybody else. But God had told me that you're not like everybody else. You set out to be different. And, and so a lot of people, a lot of young people try to, you know, fit in with the crowd and things like that. But you ain't really got to fit in with the crowd. Like God separated you to be different. Like you special and you called. So I, 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 I learned that and, and I started, you know, walking to my calling. Um, I started walking towards Jesus. I started getting in the word. And so the, the word, the word of God is so important. And if you have that in your life, it's going to lead you to the way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The way. So if you follow him, he's going to show you the way. And I've been following him. He's it's been blessing after blessing after blessing. And so I read the word every day, and it's been getting, it's been getting onto me like shut up on my bones. And it's been in my heart. He said, David said, that word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Yeah. And so it was in my heart. And I started, I started, I started walk, I started walking my faith and I started, you know, going by his word and whatever the whatever the Bible says, what his word says, that's what I started doing. And I applied it to my life. And now that my my life is blessed. And you know that um Jesus, he he helps you develop fruits in your life. And he came into me and started developing all these type of fruits. And he started preaching his word through me. I wasn't the one preaching. He started preaching through me. So good. So good. Well, so God's given you this incredible platform of football, right? And you've come here. You're an incredible quarterback. I got to watch some of the game at the bowl. You were were stud in that game, bro. It was good. It was good. I got to give it up. I give it up. So, but with that said, when did you discover, okay, I actually have a gift. Like, I can, I can actually do this. I'm, I'm pretty good at, at this. When did it hit you that I can do this? All right, so when I first started playing football, I, were, uh, I, didn't, I, was, like, I was good at athlete, but I didn't know how to play football. And I said this story before. Um, I was on the field. I was on defense. And I ran up. I wanted to go sack the quarterback, but I didn't sack them. I looked in his face, and then I turned to the sideline. I said, what to do next? So I ain't really know how to play football. And then, yeah. <laughs> but my dad, he put me on another team. And after I started learning, um, it was around six or seven, I started scoring touchdowns, catching picks, kicking field goals. I started doing it all. So I was like, I kind of am good at this. And so I want them to miss that, around six or seven. How many of y'all were still trying to figure out how to walk at six or seven? <laughs> Yeah, it was, yeah, when I was, like, scoring a touch, scoring touchdowns and running, I was, you know, I was like, are they even trying? Like, I was looking at them, like, they trying to tackle me? But, um, <laughs> like, I, really, I, I really said that, like, I thought it was playing. And my dad used to always tell me, man, you really good at football, you know that? But I used to think, like, he lying because that's my daddy. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I started, you know, um, Learning, I was good around six or seven. I started, you know, going from there. Wow, wow. Well, so at what point, because there's, there's a lot of good athletes, right? When did you know I can make it to the next level? Like I can actually go to college and actually get on the field? Um, I found that out around my 10th grade year. 
in that season. I had like the most TDs in the state, most passing yards in the state. And we were just doing real good that year. I'm like, you know, you know, I can really do this for real. So I started, you know, training and saying to my dad, like, I'm gonna do it for real. Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible, yeah. And I know I didn't I didn't ask this in the first service, so I'm not trying to throw you for a loop, but tell us a little bit about the the discipline. Like how often do you how much have you worked on the abilities that you have? Practicing and all that kind of stuff. Um it's like an everyday thing. Like some days I just didn't feel like getting up and going like working, but I know that it takes discipline to get to the next level. You know, you learn that from like Kobe Bryant. Michael Jordan, all them great guys. And I started just doing it every day. And I wanted to, you know, work on, work towards perfection. I know I was never gonna get to perfection, but I wanted to work towards getting, like, my technique down to perfection and everything like that. And God would always tell me, I got you. Just keep just keep going, I got you. And I would just hear that. I, I, sometimes I had to be working by myself. I, like, he said, I got you. And so he like, I met this trainer out in California, he know like a lot of coaches and everything like that. So I started training with him. He started teaching me um, all the all the advanced stuff that you see today and all that. But I started just praying to God every day, having discipline, and saying, "I'm gonna get up in the morning. I'm gonna keep working. No matter if I fail, I'm just gonna keep working. I'm just gonna keep working." Good, good, so good. Yeah. So two more questions. Um, when it comes to having going having success and all of the things, because you were a successful high school athlete, obviously you're a successful college athlete, how important is having the right team of people around you? Like, what would you say that's a pretty important part of winning, and how important is that? Um, that's, 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 like, one of the most important things, having people around you to help you win in life, and and on the football team, you know, they got two types of people. You got one that's going to encourage you and one that's going to, you know, tell you, um, talk you down and things like that. But, you know, the person is a team that's talking you down, like it's, it's discouraging you and saying you can't do this, can't do that. And you got another person on the team encouraging you, saying you can do this, you got this, uplifting you. And that's on the football field. But off the football field, you know, I had people in my life that, re- that wasn't yes men, like, they were, they were, they was in my life and they would always tell me the truth Good. and it would help me, they would mold me, they would shape me to who I am today. And just because of that reason, I'm here today. I got, I got my family around me. Like my grandmother said, take community to raise a child. And so I had my family around me, you know, even though sometimes I didn't want to hear, like y- y'all know, sometimes you didn't want to hear it, <laughs> but you know, it, 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 it made, it made you who you are. And so, you don't want to hang around people that's, you know, pulling you to the path of unrighteousness. Pull them to the, you want somebody around you pulling you to the path of righteousness. That's so good. Come on. Let's give it up for Zion, everybody. Well, this young man is on an incredible journey, an incredible trajectory, and I just, I'm so grateful for him being here with us today. And what I want to do is pray for him as a church. And so I'm going to ask you to stretch your hands towards him in just a moment and pray for him. Um, 
before some of your, your arms are going to be real tired if you hold them up. So I want to invite up uh, some of our elders, James, David O. I'm going to ask Ken to please come up and we're going to pray over, come on, Damar. We're going to pray over Zion just for God to use him. God has given him this platform. And while, while they're coming up, let me just say this. We were talking before the first service. God has given him this platform for this season, for this reason. Right? He's an incredible athlete, but the reason he's here is not because he's such an incredible athlete. That's a part of it. God brought him here so that he can use what he has to continue to share Jesus, to build his kingdom. And we want to pray that that continues in his life. So if you will, now you can stretch your hands towards him and let's pray for him. Father, we thank you for this man. Thank you, God, that you've called him for such a time as this. And I pray, God, that you give him continued success on that football field. We pray against injury. We, for, we pray for protection over his knees. We pray for protection over his entire body. God, your word says that those who fear you, the angels of the Lord surround. That's what you said. And as he continues fearing you and following you, you would protect him at every turn. Give him even supernatural wisdom in how to do what he does. I pray for an anointing on the craft that he has, the anointing on the skill set and the gifting that he has. And Lord, we pray that as the temptations of the world come his way, God, I pray that there would be a constant voice of the Holy Spirit in his ear saying, this is the way, walk in it. God, I pray he would have a keen ability to sense when there's a temptation coming his way. Give him a keen ability to sense and discern when people around him, when their motives aren't pure. Give that to him. Grant him that. And Lord, we thank you for protecting and preserving this man. God, I pray the same thing over him that I pray over my kids. Protect, God, his his integrity. Protect his purity. Protect his calling, God. And bless this man to be a shining life for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, bro. What an honor today to have him in the house with us. And I did this exact same thing in the first service. I saved that last question until he sat down and can't speak from the microphone. When you become rich and famous, just remember us, okay? (laughs) throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. I want to speak with you in the last few moments that we have before we end about having the right team around you. Because as Zion just mentioned, it's, that's vitally important to your success. You cannot succeed without the right team around you. And we live in a day and time where we look at things, we love sports, some of our favorite sports, yes, are team sports, but some of our other favorite sports are individual sports. And we think, I can do this on my own. I want to I be like this great boxer. I want to be like this great MMA fighter. You realize they have a team around them as well? And there's certain things that you're going to hear me say all the time, all the time. One of those things I learned from my pastor many years ago, Pastor Jacob Aranza, he said, show me the five, your five closest friends and I will show you your destiny. You show me the five closest relationships in your life and I will show you the trajectory of your life, where your life is going. It's all based on who you surround yourself with. Another thing you'll hear me say is, as Christians, as the body of Christ, we are not supposed to be independent people. Meaning, this is my life. I do what I want to do the way that I want to do it. I don't need anybody else. 
We are also not supposed to be codependent people, people who cannot make a decision on, on, on their own, people who cannot actually make choices for their life. But the thing that I believe God has created us as the body of Christ to be is interdependent. And this is what I mean by that. We recognize that God puts people in our lives for reasons to add value to our lives, to help us make that decision that we have to make, to give us wisdom, to see blind spots in our lives. We all have blind spots. And I said that last week. We all have blind spots. As a matter of fact, I was talking with a gentleman this morning wearing an Alabama shirt, and I said, you have an elephant-sized blind spot in your life. (laughs) But we all have them. And another thing you'll hear me say often is this. Christianity is a team sport. We need us. We need us. You need the person around you. And many times we come and we pray, God, I need this. God, help me with this. God, get my marriage out of this. Lord, help us with this problem with our kids. And you don't even know that the answer to your prayer is sitting right next to you. You come in church. I mean this. We we come in church and we hear these things and we go, God, I need this. And God's saying, the person next to you or the person across the aisle from you with them walk through the exact same thing that you're walking through now and they're on the other side of it and can give you the wisdom you need to get through it. That's why Christianity is a team sport. I want to read this to you. This is what the Bible says, and I mentioned it last week in our message to singles. But Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 says this, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So for the sake of our day, this is what I believe the Bible is talking about. You need the right team around you. You were never designed to do this thing alone. You were never designed to try to live for God all by yourself. I'm the only one. I'm Elijah the prophet. I'm the last one. Even Elijah the prophet in the Bible, God had to correct him and say, you're not the only one. We need people around us to encourage us when we're down, to correct us when we're thinking crazy. To pull us out of our emotional funks sometime. We need each other. You need the right team around you. And again, so for the last few moments, I want to talk about ways that you know you have the right team. How do you know you have the right team in your life? You have the right people surrounding you. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, teams honor one another. Teams honor one another. When I say honor, let me correct something because some of you may have grown up in churches where that word was completely twisted and manipulated for someone's selfish gain. That word honor is the Greek word timi, spelled like the word time, and it simply means this, to value, to show value. When you are honoring someone, you are showing that person that you value them. And the right team around you will show value to you. Not just for what you can do for them, 
Not just for how you make them feel. They will value you for who God's created you to be. The people around you, do they do that? Here's the thing. I remember growing up with friends, quote unquote, that the way we showed our friendship was by making fun of each other, tearing each other down, poking at each other's insecurities. We treated that as our friendship. Can I be honest? When that's the type of friends that you have, when you're going through something, the last thing you want to do is show them your weakness. But when you have the right team around you, you realize these people actually love me. And they value me and they want to help me. This is what the Bible says about these types of friendships and relationships. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, in the NLT, it says this. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Love one another with genuine affection and take delight in showing honor, in helping, in showing value, in building them up. And I love the way the ESV version says that exact same scripture. This is what it says. Love one another with brotherly affection. And it says, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in valuing each other, in helping one another, in saying. Sometimes we all need people in our lives that pull us out and just say, hey, you're better than that. Or, hey, you, I noticed you haven't been answering my calls. I'm concerned about you. I want to check on you. Are you okay? Or, man, we all need people in our lives that when we've done something great, give us a high five. Sometimes we just need people to celebrate life with. And if everybody around you, you're always worried about them being jealous of you or, or feeling like you're thinking you're something that you're not just because you're celebrating something God's done in your life, those are not the right people. The right people, you can pick up the phone and call them and tell them something amazing that's happened in your life and they're going to cheer you on. They're not going to think, why isn't that happening to me? So I encourage you, be that for someone else. Yes, you need that. But everything that I'm telling you, here's a secret. Let me let you in on a secret. The things that you need, you need to be. If you're looking at your life right now and you're thinking, I don't have friends like that. I've needed friends like that. Become a friend like that. Become someone who shows value and honor to the people around you. The next thing that the right team in your life has, or that they do. Teams pray for one another. They pray for one another. Colossians chapter one, verse three says this. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the apostle Paul talking to a church that he planted, a church that God is moving in. And he said, we always, this is a man who traveled all over preaching the gospel and knew thousands and thousands of people before the internet. And he's telling this church, I'm always praying for you. I'm always praying for you. This is how you know you have the right people in your life. This is a great sign when they're willing to take what's going on in your life and bring that to God on your behalf. That's a real friend. What I'm really talking about is spiritual family. Having a family. Some of you have come from homes that are just broken. And that when, even when I say family, the concept of family in your mind, it just, it makes you think pain. 
It makes you think hurt. It makes you think rejection. Can I tell you something? That is not the family of God. God wants to surround you with a family that does these things, that loves you, that values you, that calls you up to a higher level, that prays for you when you're down, that you can go to in a moment of weakness and know they're a safe place and they're going to pray for me and cover me. This is what someone's doing when they're doing this. When they come and they take what you're telling them or they take what's going on in your life and they bring it to God, you know what they're really saying? I want the absolute best for you. I don't just want what you want for you. I don't just want what I want for you. I want what God wants for you. That's real love. That's genuine affection and caring for someone. That's love. Now let me ask you that Another question, the same thing, same way I, I spoke about this in the first point. Who are you praying for? Now listen to me, single people. When I say who you're praying for, I don't mean to be your spouse. Who are you praying for? Who are you praying? God help them. God give them wisdom for the decision that they, hate, they have to make. God give them peace in their life. God give them the home they're praying for. God give them the, a child, Lord, that they're believing you for. Who in your life are you praying for? Because again, if you want it, go and do it. If you need it, go and be it. That is what I want our church to be like. A church where people come and they know they're going to be prayed for and cared for and loved. Not the type of church that when they walk in, you're going to be judged because you're not wearing the right thing. You're going to be judged because you don't act like us or you smell like where you were last night. <laughs> but like Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. And the church is a hospital for the broken. That's what family is supposed to look like. So the right team does that. The right team also brings joy. If you have the right team in your life, they bring joy to your life. Philippians chapter 1 verse 3 says this. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Do the people in your life bring joy to your life? Now, notice I didn't say, I didn't just say you have fun with them. Because some of you have the wrong people in your life that you're having lots of fun with. But with that fun, you're also having lots of guilt, lots of shame, lots of regret. I'm talking about joy. Do the people around you bring joy to you? And I ask this again to the first service. I'm going to say it very practically to you. If the people around, if you don't like the people around you, why are you friends with them? Can I just ask you a very simple question? If you don't like them, if they make you miserable, why are you hanging out with them? That's called dumb. <laughs> Let me just put it very plainly. Do they bring joy to you? Do they make you feel God's joy? Do you feel excited about life when you get around them? And listen, it doesn't matter what you're doing together. 
Some of y'all like badminton. That's your thing. Go for it. Have, but are you enjoying one another and feel the joy of the Lord when you're with them? Right? So I can tell you this about the closest friendships in my life. And like I mentioned last week, some of them have hurt me with truth. Okay? And let me explain that for a moment if you weren't here. The Bible says this. As iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. And the Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. They are better than the kisses of an enemy. So there are times in my life where the team in my life, they've said some things to me that's hurt my precious feelings. (laughs) They've made me upset. They've made me angry. The large majority of the time, they were right. And I needed to hear what they said. And we need those types of friendships in our life. That conflict yields peace in my life in the long run. But let me tell you something else about them. We can laugh for hours about absolutely nothing. I have friends that when I get together with them, I know that they love God. It's a safe place. And I know that I can, they can, we can talk about things that makes my wife roll her eyes and we just sit back and laugh. I've laughed till one o'clock in the morning. I'm just, I'm confessing my soul. I was a youth pastor, so don't judge me too much. I remember staying up with one of my best friends till one o'clock in the morning, trying to figure out who would win in a fight between people in our church. I know, I'm sorry. I was like, this 69-year-old woman against this 67-year-old woman, if they... Pray for you, pastor. (laughs) But we just let our guards down and we have fun and we bring joy to one another. Do you have friends like that in your life? Do you have people like that that bring that level of joy? If not, you need them. You need them. And then the last point that I'm going to make, the right team wants to win. They want to win. I'm not talking about some unhealthy sense of conflict where you have to be better than everybody. Listen, if you have people like that in your life where everything you say to them is a competition, they are not the right person in your life. If everything that you say, yeah, but I used to. Man, I can't believe my son, he just, he hit a home run. Yeah, my son hit three. (laughs) Can you believe my daughter made the A-B honor roll? She got a B. You don't need those people in your life, okay? And if that is you, stop being that type of person or you will find yourself without friendships and relationships. But the right team wants to win. And they have a common goal. When you look at good teams, good championship teams, one of the things you're going to find is a team of people working together as one unit towards one common goal. They have one vision, and they're all moving in that same direction. It's not all about them as individuals. It's about the collective goal that they're working towards. That's how championships are won. That's how people win things, when they work in a cohesive manner with one another. If you have one vision, you can accomplish it. If you have two visions, you have division. You have a vision. We have a vision that we're trying to accomplish and you have a vision that you're trying to accomplish for your own life and we have division. 
But when we come together and we're working towards the same goal, we can win. And let me tell you with the body of Christ, when I'm talking about winning, let me spell out very clearly what I mean for you. Because Jesus spelled it out for us. This is our mission. This is our vision. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. This is what it says. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Church, that's our goal. Our goal is to spread his kingdom and his great name in all of the regions, in the cities, and the communities of the world. That's our vision. We're not here to seek individual glory. We're not here to make your pastor's Instagram great. We're not here for fame. We are here to make his name great. We are here to, ha- to see his kingdom established in every place that you have influence. Because you have influence that I will never have. And you have influence the person next to you will never have. What are you doing with that? Are you using that for his glory? Are you making his name great? That's why we're alive. That's our mission. And if we seek it together and we do it together, guess what? We will make his name great in Broussard, in Youngsville, in Lafayette, in St. Martinville, even in Catahoula. (laughs) We want his name to be made great. That's our goal. I also want to ask you something. I want to give you an opportunity. After service, as you guys leave, you'll have the ability to Take pictures with our mascot out there. You have the opportunity to meet Zion, Chris, and maybe get him to sign something for you. And you have the op- We're going to have cupcakes out there and tents out there, but you're also going to see the leaders of our serve teams holding up signs. And these are the teams that serve to make Sunday mornings happen, to make youth ministry happen, to make all of the things that we're doing as a church happen. They're going to be out there, and I want to encourage you. Meet them. Join the team. I can tell you a need that I'm asking you as your pastor. I'm making this ask of you to consider this. Our kids' ministry and our nursery ministry need you. Our church is growing very, very fast. And one of the greatest needs that we have is for people to watch and pray for and tend to and care for our children while you're in here hearing the word of God without distraction. I encourage you, join one of those teams. So right after service, go and enjoy that. But meet one of those teams to help God's kingdom spread, to help what we're doing here as a church be more impactful in our region. But then lastly, and I mean more, when I say more importantly, it is more important. More than what you do in the church, more than what you do in your careers or your success, Are you a part of God's team? 
Are you a part of his family? And this has nothing to do with what you do. I'm talking about what he's done for you. See, as I've talked about all of these things, I've spoken to people who are part of God's family already. And you may be here and you say, Pastor Gabe, I'm not born again. I'm not saved. I'm not right with God. Let me tell you what Jesus had to say about that. Jesus showed up on the scene and talked to a religious leader, a man who probably should have known the things that he was talking about. And Jesus told him, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't be a part of this team unless you are first born again. Unless you're first born again. That's what Jesus came to die for. He came for all of you. And you are someone's prayer request. That's why you're here. Some of you are here because someone has been praying for you and believing God that you would hear the truth of his word and surrender your life to him, being born again. The process I'm talking about is a very simple one, and we say it every week in all of our campuses. We say this. It's as simple as ABC. A, you admit. What? Admit what, Pastor? That you're a sinner. You get honest and you stop saying, I'm making mistakes. You stop saying, I'm, I got issues. You stop blaming the past. You stop blaming your parents. You stop blaming your circumstances. And you get brutally honest and say, I have sinned against a holy God who is sinless. And that has separated me from him. You admit that. But then B, you believe. Believe what? That when Jesus came and he died on that cross, he was the solution for that problem. His blood was shed so that every sin you've ever committed could be washed away and forgiven. From the smallest thing that you don't think is a big deal that Jesus still would have died for to the greatest thing that you are the most ashamed and embarrassed about and hope that nobody ever finds out, Jesus died on that cross to wash those things away. And to give you a new life. That's what we mean by born again. You literally die to the old you and you become a new person. And see, you confess. Confess what? That he is who he said he was. He is Lord. And not only is he Lord of all, but he becomes your Lord. See, what I'm talking about is when Jesus is basically beckoning you and saying, follow me. I know you've done it your way. I know you've tried to live your life your way. Now I want you to try living it my way. Come and follow me, and I will show you why you are alive. When you confess that he is Lord, you're saying, I will follow you. I believe you died. I believe you rose again on the third day. I believe you are Lord, and I'm going to follow 